0: Very Bad Wizards is a podcast with a philosopher, my dad, and a psychologist Dave Pizarro, having an informal discussion about issues in science and ethics. Please note that the discussion contains bad words that I'm not allowed to say, and knowing my dad, some very inappropriate jokes. Don't listen to them, Leela. People said I was dumb, but I'd proved them. Okay. Welcome to Very Bad Wizards. I'm Tamler Summers from the University of Houston. Dave, eugenics works for cows, horses, pigs, dogs, and
1: roses. Why on earth wouldn't it work for humans? Do we really call it eugenics when we're doing it to cows? Like, was there, like, some cow, cow Hitler who was, like, (laughs) spotted is better? Um, I feel like eugenics is widely, widely uh, misunderstood, And I'm here to defend it. I think that we should make everybody blacker. But they, well, you're racist against gingers. Well, you know, that's an interesting question because gingers, sorry, redheads. There are some. My mother's a redhead. I don't want to offend her. They are disappearing. And if you make a concerted effort to keep the red hair genes going, is that eugenics?
0: Right, like sort of with an endangered species or something like that.
1: Yeah, there's like probably like a dating. D- dating app that matches redheads
0: i remember bill burr saying that there was a sperm bank that just decided not to take um sperm from redheads at a certain point and he was saying that he was being weeded out of the population <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right? but the thing is is as long as it's a you know as long as you get a, a, a female ginger then it's fine
1: is that is that right yeah, I think, so. I think so. There's really no fetishes for male redheads, right? It's, but it is sort of just a side effect if you want to keep female redheads going.
0: <laughs> right. It's, it's a necessary evil to have just a It's like doctrine ginger. of double effect.
1: Like, we didn't mean to. <laughs> Our intention was only to keep this particular Pornhub category going.
0: What, what are we going to do? Uh, I guess hair coloring, but this is not the same. It's not the yeah, same when you know no, like, they We real. don't want to have
1: to deep fake our redheads. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what we're referring to in this VBW no context bonanza is um, a tweet by Richard Dawkins that was as follows. Um, it's one thing to deplore eugenics on ideological, political, moral grounds. It's quite another to conclude that it wouldn't work in practice. Of course it would. It works for cows, horses, pigs, dogs, and roses. Why on earth wouldn't it work for humans? Facts ignore ideology. This caused quite a stir. Caused quite a stir. And my first question for you is: It it appears that this was totally unmotivated, right? <laughs> that's, like
1: what? that's the you know you cl- like my first reaction was to click on it to see what he was responding to. <laughs> no. No, nothing.
0: Just he woke up in the morning and he was just like like was he imagining some opponent saying that eugenics is immoral and therefore it wouldn't work in practice? Just is there some voice in his head that makes claims like that or It's like when
1: you it's like when you have a dream that your significant other treated you like shit and you wake up and you're like, "I know what you did." Like he just woke up with some some <laughs> Enemy of science, but like seriously, like what do you think motivated this tweet? Okay, so I did a little bit of digging, um, and I'll pu- I put a, a link to a, a, um, a article from a website called Mercator Net, which I had no I have no idea what it is. So if it's like a white supremacy website, then I apologize. But um, what they were saying was that he might have been triggered or whatever by a recent. So apparently. Prime Minister Boris Johnson had um, some advisers who it like came out that that they had expressed some pretty unsavory opinions about eugenics um, a few years ago. And so they got rid of them. Uh, They kicked them out of whatever. Yeah. And they forced them to resign, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it must have been in the context of some back and forth about this. But in his mind, because not on Twitter, as far as I, not, I can tell, it wasn't on Twitter. And there was apparently somebody who hopped on, like an actual an actual biologist who hopped on and actually did defend why it wouldn't work, like scientifically. But but that seems to me to be to have come afterwards. So yeah, I mean, this is like one of those things where, like you know, if somebody tells you you're ugly, like it might be true, but but why? Like, why just volunteer that information? Like, it says, it's like, what's going on in your mind that that's what you tweet out of the blue? Right. And then, so, of course, there's going to be a ton of reaction.
0: Some of it just totally unfair. Like, Richard Dawkins defends eugenics. Richard Dawkins, uh, you know, wants to uh, uh, implement a eugenics policy or something like that. Um, There was one funny one, which is that Richard Dawkins... Uh, I don't remember who tweeted this, but Richard Dawkins' tweets make a lot more sense when you just add Mr. Bond at the end.
1: (laughs) And this one, it works pretty well, actually. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) And and to be fair to Dawkins, at least if, if what we're trying to find out is what he really believes, he did go out of his way to say that he deplores. He said, I deplore the idea of eugenic policy. I simply said deploring it doesn't mean it wouldn't work. Uh, eugenic policy would be bad I'm combating the illogical step from X would be bad to so therefore X is impossible um, let's fight it on moral grounds
0: well this is what so yeah so I was gonna read this so he says just as we breed cows to yield more milk we could breed humans to run faster or jump higher but heaven forbid we should do it it would work in the same set as it works for cows this is that's the cows thing is a running theme and all the the tweets. Let's fight it on moral grounds. Let's fight what? Like, <laughs> like, what? It, like, who are we fighting this battle against right now? Who's defending eugenics uh, on on both moral and scientific grounds? So that we have to just fight it on moral grounds because if we deny obvious scientific facts, we lose or at best derail the argument. What argument? What is? What is imagined here is my question.
1: Who is objecting to eugenics on the primary grounds that it doesn't work? That sounds like you just want eugenics. You're like, you know what? This would be awesome, but bummer is like the science just isn't there. And then Dawkins is like, wait a minute, it is there. It is there,
0: but we shouldn't do it. But don't say it isn't there. Right. Or who is making that illogical, it would be, wrong to do therefore it doesn't work now we should talk about the question of whether it works or whether it, what it even means for it to work but i don't know the like I, i'm not familiar it could be out there it could be like this big thing that dawkins had to put a stop to but it's if there is i have not come across anybody saying that it is immoral therefore it doesn't Like, therefore, it wouldn't work in practice. Part of the moral objections make the assumption that some version of it could work in practice.
1: Right, right, right. There would be no point to to fighting it. But what does it like? Does it work? Yeah. And what does that mean? That's That's
0: the interesting question that I really hadn't thought about.
1: I hadn't I'd surprisingly given it little thought because there's a way in which like the it contains a moral like outrage in the way that we define it. So so if if what you mean by eugenics is um selectively uh say sterilizing parts of the population that you don't want to reproduce, right? Or just finding other ways to prevent them from ever reproducing. Then, then you're like in Hitler, Hitler grounds. I took, it to, I took it in general to mean trying to change the traits of humanity in general by controlling breeding and that controlling breeding requires some sort of violation of autonomy and so therefore it's immoral. So when you say
0: eugenics could work, what could they do successfully?
1: One, that, that we can selectively breed people to improve traits which I think is the part that has to be there. So he's saying that would work. Like what traits? Well, that's what's – that's I think what's at the heart of it because so many people might be trying to breed traits like, you know, make people uh, of one race or something. But I think usually people mean things like intelligence. In fact, in this article that I linked to, one of the advisors that was fired um, from Boris Johnson's whatever advisory – Somebody on a blog post said that he suggested that the UK's National Health Service in vitro fertilization service should offer human eggs sorted by IQ to make a level playing field for rich and poor parents who want babies with a high IQ. (laughs) Embedded in that, obviously, is one, that we're so good at knowing IQ that we can determine it genetically, which, no. Two, that poor parents are the ones... (laughs) Who are having kids? Yeah,
0: through IVF.
1: So I think that it's I don't know, like that. My understanding is
0: wait, but but, but so 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 just to be clear, because I'm I'm actually doing conceptual analysis here, so or or trying to find success conditions. So let's say, like IRBs are done, any scientific experiment will now be allowed. If you want to demonstrate that eugenics works, might you? Would this count as successful eugenics try to selectively breed to make your population more intelligent Would that? So, A, is that eugenics? It sounds like it kind of is, as I understand, you know, some versions of eugenics. Um, And then B, would that work?
1: Yeah, I yeah, I think that counts as eugenics. What's underspecified is the method. So I think that's fair, that that when you say eugenics, you may you may be agnostic as to the method. Because as some people have pointed out, one, one of these, uh, a professor at Oxford says, quote, we practice eugenics when we screen for Down syndrome and other chromosomal or genetic abnormalities. The reason we don't define that sort of thing as eugenics as the Nazis did is because it's based on choice. It's about enhancing people's freedom rather than reducing it. So that's, I think... It's a fair definition to say that the the attempt is to improve through selective breeding independent of the means. And we just often associate it with... Sterilization or... Yeah. So now does it work? That is... I don't know. I'm not a biologist, but I'll tell you one of the things that that, uh, a guy named Dave Curtis, the editor of the Annals of Human Genetics, posted a long Twitter thread in response uh, to this Dawkins tweet. And he said, quote, "'Humans have long generational times and small numbers of offspring. This would make any selective breeding process extremely slow. Second, humans live in very different environments, and most of the variation in their traits is due to the environment. It would be very difficult to identify individuals with ideal traits.'" That, I think, is too far. I think that's bullshit. I think that it, obviously, um, you could, if you had all of the power in the world, breed. you could breed redheads out of the population,
0: right? Right. If that's your goal. But the more complex the trait is, like, you could get, like, you could increase the percentage of green-eyed people or blue-eyed people or something like that. But when you start talking about something more complex like intelligence or disposition to criminality trying to weed that out or something like then there's the question of well a that is how 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 easy is that to identify anyone can see what what color your eyes are what color your hair is but like disposition to criminality that's genetic rather than environmental or an intelligence obviously i mean we've done a couple of episodes on that so so then it's much harder and then the question for success also involves the sort of I think the mechanism for it matters because like with dog breeding, as people have pointed out, like that can fuck up a dog breed. Like if you try to breed, yes, you can successfully breed for certain traits, but you give them bad hips and you give them like all sorts of other kinds of health problems because the thing is more complicated.
1: So I I think those two things, the um, the sort of multi-gene... Uh, causation of various complex traits and the environmental uh, aspects of it that makes it very hard like you could if you believed that there were no heritable component then you could deny that eugenics would be possible i think that many psychological traits do have a heritable component even if we don't know the actual genetic mechanisms so um uh, but it would obviously be a lot easier for something like height. And we know f- like the that the Dutch, for instance, within a few generations have become super tall and people are kind of not clear why this happened, but it seems like it might be explained by uh, something like tall people breeding more. Um, don't quote me on that. I, I just know that it was a mystery um, because it, it happened so quickly. And that doesn't seem surprising that you could actually... You know, if you encourage tall people to only breed with each other, it seems like that that would be that would work. David
0: Pizarro: Short people shouldn't be allowed to have sex.
1: Well, they got no reason, no reason to live. Um, <laughs> uh, so, the part that that is that the dogs might get hip dysplasia or whatever that that just makes it harder. Right. So we successfully I'd say if if we called it eugenics when we did it with dogs, I'd say we were successful in like making dogs more more attuned to humans, better at pointing and more useful. And it just had some side effects. And so like we we if we did it better, it would just be there'd be less fewer fewer accidents or fewer side effects. So this is getting into the the most dangerous of dangerous territories. You and I are old enough to remember Jimmy the Greek.
0: Yep. For sure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll put... Is it fair to say that Jimmy the Greek uh lost his job? This was was this in the early 80s? I
0: feel like it was a little later if anything, like mid
1: early to mid 80s maybe. Oh, 88, yeah. Um this is a guy named Jimmy Snyder.
0: He was he's... a guy that would give he would give betting advice on uh, an NFL pregame show.
1: Right. He was like talking head on
0: Yeah, but but specifically like Jimmy the Greek, he was like supposedly, I mean it's ridiculous. Like he was not like a real gambler that like made a lot of money doing it but he had the look of like a person who didn't know about sports would imagine like is a like a gambler a sports
1: gambler and but then so he said um it so i'll I'll quote him here no because i don't even remember the black is a better at the first of all you starting it off with the black in 1988 it's like um, the black is a better athlete to begin with because he's been bred to be that way because of his high thighs and big thighs that go up into his back and they could jump higher and run faster because of the bigger thighs and he's he sounds drunk and he's bred to be the better athlete because this goes all the way back to the civil war when during the slave trading the big the owner the slave owner would breed his big black to his big woman oh a black is only a man uh, to his big woman so that he could have a uh, big black kid. See, that's where it all started. So he got fired, expressed regret over having said those things.
0: I mean, like, th- it, if it's true, let's separate, like, whether it was moral from <laughs> whether it's
1: true. In fact, <laughs> the, the outrage ought to be that anybody even considered doing that, which I, like, why wouldn't you think that slave owners were trying to do that? I'm sure they were trying to do that.
0: The de- I think the thing that sunk him also is the details. Like, <laughs> like the, thighs going <laughs> up, the thighs going up into the back there was a great saturday night live skit phil hartman played him like on the home shopping network
1: Uh, as far as i know jimmy the greek he never came back from that right i mean there was no no
0: just as a saturday night live skit
1: so so i guess it's a question as to whether or not slave owners really were trying to do that So, I I don't know, I guess the more specific the trait, the better you could have, but it would still require pretty strict control of the population and the breeding population. And I think that's what gets everybody's moral flags, red flags going, right?
0: And a bit, yeah, because you need a a lot of people and a big sample uh, because you can't inbreed. It sounds like we're just doing now the, the, the thing that, that everyone's appalled
1: by. It's like, wait a minute, like, could this actually... <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I mean, but I think that if, we, if it's not even possible to try on some grounds that would convince some people, then, then it wouldn't be a moral question, right? Whether or not we can do it with intelligence, I think that's probably bullshit. Whether we could do it for a skin color... If we force sterilization for everybody who is a particular skin color, then prob, you know, then it might work.
0: When you say we couldn't do it for intelligence, you don't mean, I know, because of our episodes, that intelligence isn't heritable. That it that that just the implementation mechanism for that would have to be too. It would be beyond our.
1: That's right. I think that it's that it's beyond our abilities, and it might be that that. Intelligence has, although it has a heritable component, it has so much environmental component built into it um, that that it would be intractable because, right, you would have to control the environment in which people were raised. All this aside, Jimmy the Greek and Dawkins, why did they say it? That's the whole point. Like... Well, Jimmy the Greek was drunk. He was like shit
0: faced. <laughs> you see the clip. I, that's I, and I'm remembering this from when you know, like I was a teenager. But my memory of him is that he was shit faced, uh, like coming out of some party. When you're shit
1: faced, like is that at the t- is that at the back of is that at top of mind? Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I mean like right. I, I guess my point is to distinguish Dawkins and because so we should talk about the moral element of it so when something is this sensitive and when policy eugenics policies or whatever policy you're talking about has been implemented in abhorrent morally abhorrent ways as as richard dawkins would uh, agree and as maybe even jimmy the greek would agree right like so is it okay to separate the science from it and just give it look i'm just I'm just making a scientific point. I'm just pointing out a logical fallacy. I am just asking questions. Uh, this, it, I think what people are viscerally against with Dawkins, including me to some extent, is why on earth would you combat the illogical step from X would be bad to X is impossible, where X in this case is eugenics, given that you know, nobody is really... Uh, making those claims right now in a way that's affecting the scientific or larger culture. So why just bring it up at all? And why just kind of throw it out there into the consciousness? And I guess one objection could be consequentialist, like so some white supremacist is now saying, yeah, it would work, you know, like we got to get on this. But another is more just the, I don't know, that there's something just wrong with with raising a question, even if it's true, or making that claim, even if it's true, when there's nothing that it's pushing back against, nothing real, it's only hypothetical.
1: Especially when I think that the term eugenics is itself used in a broader sense than Dawkins means here. So Dawkins is saying, like, no, if all we mean by genetics is, I mean, eugenics is is what we do to, to chickens and, and cows for these specific physical traits then that's possible when the word eugenics as understood by most people i think contains within it some sort of understanding that this is targeting traits that might unfairly uh, you know leave certain groups out in the cold and that it is done against the will in order to be effective so so in order for it to be effective it would require like large sterilization of people who didn't want to be sterilized and and he knows that which happened in the prisoners
0: in the 70s uh, there was a impetus to to do that and
1: and so I think that, that he, knowing that that's the way that the term is used and generally understood, he wouldn't have had to backpedal. Even if he had said, like, I, would, I don't think he would have, maybe he would have gotten a lot of shit because he's Richard Dawkins. But you can imagine a tweet that said, I've heard some people objecting to the practice of eugenics because they think that genes don't work that way. But that's the wrong way to object to it because genes could have this effect. Uh, so let's just say it's abhorrent. Like just that in one tweet could have saved him, spared him some grief. I believe that that's what he was trying to say. But it's hard to read that if you're somebody who...
0: I mean, I like I don't have much sympathy with the people who are deeply offended and appalled by a 78-year-old guy just, you know, spouting off. But I still get like when you say let's fight it on moral grounds, deny obvious scientific facts and we lose or at best derail an argument. There's no argument. There's nothing to fight on moral grounds right now. Um, so by tweeting that, are you like inviting a debate on this question that is fairly settled on moral grounds already? And <laughs> right.
1: You know, right. Anybody who just expresses any desire for eugenics policies is squarely defeated now. You like, does he care that much about whether or not people get these details right? It so it reminds me of well, that's the thing, it's an imaginary group. Like, uh, unless it would be great if Dawkins said, No, it was responding to this article or this claim, like, you know, included a link. Something that it came out of the blue is what makes me think, although very different from Jimmy the Greek, that some shit is sitting in the back of his mind that's been getting just right there. But you could have, for instance, an argu- like, suppose that I said, uh, you know, the chances of actually having genetic disorders when you have sex with a sibling is super low. Like, let's not object to it on that ground. You, I think people would rightfully be like, <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? So, <laughs> they'd be like the Google, the next Google search, like David Pizarro's sister.
1: And then I could, I guess, I could be like, "You guys are getting me wrong. Like, of course, it's abhorrent on on moral grounds, but like, you know, <laughs> let's object to it on naughty grounds. <laughs> that just makes it better. It's too naughty. <laughs> oh man, it's uh, yeah. this is. I I think that much like driver's licenses, you know, when you have like that eighty something year old relative, where you're like, pop, it's gonna." get to the point where we can't let you drive yourself anymore. And he's like, no, I'm fine. But he's all constantly almost getting in crashes. That's what we should institute for Twitter.
0: This is a guy that I found there was huge influence on my early self and the selfish gene and extended phenotype especially. And then it just, like, I guess it started with the religion, you know, the anti-religion, the atheism. And then it just seems now that he's just picking fights with, uh, for, for the sake of picking fights. Like and and just the worst kind of I'm rational, you're irrational kind of fights. They've, they've lost the subtlety that maybe in some like transition period they had.
1: I uh, and I don't know how much of it is uh is age related and lack of self control.
0: <laughs> it's the same age as like three of our presidential candidates. Here's a, it's the last question just about eugenics and, like, are we going to get into trouble for this maybe by just talking about it like this? But does, you, is eugenics like a morally thick concept? So, in other words... Thick with two Cs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes. Exactly. No, thick in the sense that, like, for it to work, you would have actually had to improve the population that you're trying to implement it on.
1: Right. Is eugenics the, is eugenics the word for the attempt or the, the success? Is that what you're asking?
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. And it says when when you say eugenics to work, it has to be the success, right? No, I
1: think that it has to be the attempt because because you're leaving it open for eugenics not to work.
0: Right. Oh, I see. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But I mean like to work
0: might mean that you've actually improved. And so if it's that, then you have – then it's all of a sudden like a metaethical and ethical question whether eugenics can work because you first have to figure out what would improve – a species or a race or a population and then you have to figure out if that is something that we could
1: uh yeah i, I think that's a good that's a good point that i hadn't I, I really thought about which is take your least controversial statement like um improving the longevity right reducing morbidity and mortality and is that a, a an obvious moral good i think that it's clear when you are uh When you are not trying to maximize something, but rather trying to just cut out clear cases of suffering like diseases like, you know, Tay-Sachs and sickle cell, where you could say that that's improving everybody. Tay-Sachs,
0: which is kind of a classic example that affects Ashkenazi Jews, like everybody gets tested for that. Even in the Orthodox Jewish community, there's some push to who is very much anti-abortion to kind of allow without, you know, asking too many questions or making a big deal about it, abortions for Tay-Sachs babies because they'll just die by when they're two and they'll live kind of miserable lives until they're two. So, but is that eugenic?
1: That's why that's that's what I was starting to to say earlier, which is that the word eugenics may just be nowadays understood as that whatever that process is, including morally objectionable things, so uh, forcing people to do it and um, and promoting traits that may not be good for society so w- things like preventing clear diseases might not be just people just don't lump it into eugenics although on some technical sense that eugenics might just mean all of that stuff because um, it might be trivially true to say given what we know about genetics we could increase or decrease certain traits but eugenics seems to have built into it the improvement of the species and that's an open question right? you could you could be a utilitarian about it um, but it's hard to gather data on at, at a species level, what would make us all better off? What would make me better off is if a bunch of motherfuckers died right now.
0: Yeah, uh, like any particular people you're talking about think, <laughs> in your department? Certain disciplines or, uh... of
1: academics, just a whole cloth, uh, but particular sports fans and uh, the German soccer teams ever every time they play Argentina.
0: <laughs> uh, speaking of which, we haven't... We, I think we've mentioned this but our topic our main topic for today is cheating in sports the kind of launching pad for that will be the Astros Houston Astros cheating scandal which is kind of the the talk of Major League Baseball right now but I think what we'll, we'll broaden that to discussions of cheating and sportsmanship in sports uh, and rules and unwritten rules and in general
1: Oh yeah. Is there sportsmanlike conduct rules for just daily life?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean there is, right? Like like where you stand on the elevator and stuff. That's
1: um, right. Yeah. <laughs> not not letting people cut in line in front of you. Back cuts.
0: No cuts for <laughs> cuts.
1: All right. Uh,
0: we'll be right back.
1: This episode of Very Bad Wizards is brought to you by Better Help. You know, I teach an intro course to hundreds of students. And I see a lot of them in my office. And a lot of the time, because I teach a psychology course, people admit to me that they've been feeling a lot of anxiety or stress, or they're feeling depressed, or they're having trouble in a romantic relationship. Uh, What I tell them is I'm not that kind of a psychologist. (laughs) But what I really tell them is these are Things that happen to a lot of us. So many of us struggle with anxiety or depression or trouble sleeping or trouble in our relationships. It's normal, but it's disruptive. If you're looking for some help because of these issues, but you need to do it on your own schedule, BetterHelp might be the place to go. BetterHelp Online Counseling gets you help from a professional counselor in a safe and private online environment at your own time and at your own pace. You can get therapy over video chats. You can do it over the phone. You can even do online chats or text with your therapist. And this is all, by the way, through 100% secure channels and is completely confidential. BetterHelp is in all 50 states in the United States, but it's also worldwide. You can connect with licensed therapists quickly In fact, in under 24 hours, they'll have you connected to a professional therapist, and you can do it easily on your desktop computer or on one of their Android or iOS apps. BetterHelp is secure, it's convenient, it's professional, and importantly for a lot of us, it's actually affordable. It's especially affordable for our listeners. Very Bad Wizards listeners get 10% off of their first month if you if you use discount code VBW. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com VBW. All you'll have to do is fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs, and you'll get matched with a counselor you'll love. By the way, if you don't love that counselor, you can easily re- uh, request a switch. So that's betterhelp.com VBW. And thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of Very Bad Wizards.
0: வந்தம் என்ன சொந்தம் என்ன போனா என்ன 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 very bad wizards at this time we like to take a moment to thank all the people who get in touch with us who email us tweet at us uh, join in the conversation on reddit all the various things that you do the ways you interact with us make fun of us um we (laughs) appreciate most of that
1: i need to cry every once in a while (laughs) yeah
0: <laughs> yeah, we're not insecure enough. We need our, we need to be brought lower than we are right now. So, if you want to email us, you can email us at verybadwizards at gmail If you would like to. Tweet at us at peas at tamler or our account at very bad wizards. You can follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and participate in the conversation there. That is back up and running, thanks to David Lara. He is running the, that site right now. And if you're, you know, there used to be good conversations about the episodes. So it, uh, if if you're interested in doing that, um, hopefully that can get started back up, and you can join the conversation on reddit as well reddit dot reddit.com slash r slash very bad wizards we're, we're almost we're so close to five thousand at that site right now and um yeah so i think i don't know like the the moderator i think is judoxing
1: yeah Jew-doxing? there's two moderators now
0: yeah like judo uh, no you think that's what it is not jew like jew <laughs>
1: Well, he spelled J U D O. So, uh, yeah, and we appreciate all that moral support, but we do also appreciate the more tangible ways in which you support us. After seven and a half years, we've grown so much because not just of your moral support, but because of the support of people like our Patreon supporters, which we really appreciate. If you want to go and support us on Patreon, you'll get some extra material I think we've already gotten some feedback that leftovers would be a good uh, And we're committed to a top five Deadwood characters, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, we're supposed to get...
0: We should do that, like, really soon.
1: <laughs> you can uh, also support us. So you go to verybadwizards.com slash VBW support, our support page. You can see a link to our Patreon page there. You can also support us by donating either one-time or a recurring donation at, via PayPal. You'll find that on our support page as well. We really appreciate it all. Uh, thank you for every kind of support that you give. Um, Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Helps people find us. And we love reading them, actually. We get, like, this digest every week from some service that shows us the, the reviews. And every time I click, a, like, I'm like, shit, is it going to be a bad review? But it's, it's generally good. It's generally makes me, good. It makes me very yeah. happy. Yes, me too. All right. Um, so... The topic for
0: today it was actually, I, I don't think many listeners would predict this, but this was your idea, mm-hmm. you know, not my idea. I'm more of I'm think, a sports, sports guy,
1: not like people say.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this Houston Astros scandal that has rocked. Major league baseball, you wanted to talk about it. And there's a bunch of interesting aspects of yeah, it. Yeah,
1: the, the shit's just been fascinating me. And in fact, I was I kept meaning to ask you about it because I thought you'd be into it. And and I don't know for what reason I kept delaying, but like I've been on my own just trying to read and understand like what the fuck is going on. So, so I
0: wanna give just a little background, first of all, on what the cheating was and why it mattered. And then also but just even before that, so The Houston Astros have been pretty beloved, you know, kind of an institution in this in the city where I live for a long time. They used to play their games in the Astrodome. Then they got a new park and then they went through a period where they were really the first baseball team to just tank. This was in the early 2000s, early 2010s. So when I was here and late 2000s. When I just moved here, they were terrible. They would lose more than 100 games a year and they were almost intentionally terrible. They would trade any good player that they had with a high contract for prospects, for for good young players that other teams had who wanted to win now. And they just did. Sorry, how
1: many games are in a season again?
0: 162. Okay. So th- there were, there were times, I think there were, they lost like 120 games. They were just, they were purposely, this is something that basketball teams do all the time. So they, they can get um, uh, better picks in the draft, but baseball teams hadn't really done this. Even like the money ball, this was like the next level money ball shit. Uh, money was working with a small budget, but not intentionally tanking three or four seasons, so that you could build up the draft picks and build up the prospects to then have a good team that you were willing to pay money for. So that's what they did. And there's a very famous Sports Illustrated article written, I think, in 2013 or 2014 when the Astros were just awful. They were horrific. And it said, you're 2017 World Series champions, the Houston Astros. And it was like a joke at the time. But then 2017 comes, and and they're great. And they have this likable core of young players, including Jose Altuve, uh, Chick Correa, or Carlos Correa, excuse me, Carlos Correa. <laughs> I was uh, like, wow, uh, isn't really old? G- G- George Springer. Uh, they traded for Justin Verlander, the pitcher in the middle of the season. And everybody loved this team. They were young and they seemed like good guys. Like, it just kind of inspired the city of Houston. And I remember in the fall... Biking home from classes and seeing little kids, like, with, like, it was like I, I was in a time machine back to the 30s or something. Kids with, like, sticks pretending to play baseball, you know, with, like, bean bags and sticks and stuff like that. It was a big phenomenon, and, and they ended up winning the World Series that year. First World Series, huge celebration, just Good feelings all around for a likable team, a likable manager, A.J. Hinch. But it turns out that there had been a lot of talk that this team had been cheating by stealing signs. Much of this was just rumors throughout 2017, a little bit, and, and I didn't even hear about it then. They've been stealing signs using video cameras. And then finally, one of the players, a pitcher who was traded named Mike Fears, I believe, he, he blew the whistle and, and, and said what they've been doing. And then the, the baseball, uh, Major League Baseball released a report where they suspended the manager and the general manager. They docked the team two first-round draft picks, which is a fairly big penalty, and fined them $5 million, which is nothing for their billionaire owner but is the maximum that they were allowed to fine. Um, the team they did not punish any of the players involved even though the players had been they had been instrumental in implementing the policy but the manager AJ Hinch had been against it but he was suspended the general manager was suspended and the Astros fired both of them so that's the first background I can tell you like what what they did also
1: yeah I want to just like I think there's Plenty of international listeners who have
0: probably already no idea about the specifics. In baseball, pitchers get their signs from catchers. The catcher's crouching behind the plate. Catchers need to know the pitch that the pitcher is throwing, whether it's going to be a fastball or a curveball. Is it a slider or a changeup? Because otherwise he won't be able to catch it. Um, There'll be wild pitches. And a good catcher knows how to call the right game for his pitcher. This has no homoerotic subtext. This is... Well, now it does. <laughs> now it does yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but based on what pitches seem to be working, the game situation, and the catcher's knowledge of opposing hitters. Um, so they signal the pitch to the pitcher. The pitcher then gets the final say, though. They can either nod, and then that's the pitch they're going to throw, or they shake it off, and then the catcher will signal something else. Now, since forever, the dawn of time, since the dawn of time, players, batters have been trying to figure out the signs, the pitch that's coming, either by stealing signs, which they can sometimes do if they have a batter on second base, that's the easiest, who can see what the catcher is signaling.
1: Right, because the signals are right in between the guy's crotch. So he's protected from the two angles, which are first and third base, but that real down the middle second base guy sees what the pitcher sees but farther away. Yes.
0: And so that's so so then they'll switch up the signals when a when a guy is on second. But there have been all sorts of throughout the years ways that people have tried to do it through cameras, figuring out what the pitcher's tendencies are. And actually, this is like some pitchers have tells. This is called tipping your pitches. If, if you do a certain thing or your arm is at a certain angle when you're about to throw a curveball or uh, a fastball. So it is a big advantage. If the batter somehow can learn what pitch is coming, it is a big advantage. There's controversy over how big. The advantage is but just at a basic level so fastballs are easier to be strikes for pitchers fastballs are the pitches when they absolutely have to throw a strike for almost all pitchers it's going to be a fastball so off-speed pitches whether they're curveballs or sliders or uh, change-ups they're a little harder to control so they're more likely to be balls not strikes so number one, you know not to jump at it. And if you ever watch a baseball game and you see a batter just swinging way before the pitch gets there, it's because they thought a fastball was coming, but instead it was a curveball or it was a changeup or something.
1: Right, and and if you think it's a fastball, those pitches are coming so fa- so quickly that the batter essentially has to start swinging the minute the the minute they see the pitcher releasing the ball yes the so this has
0: been going on forever but one thing that was illegal was to use technology if a pitcher was tipping pitches well that's just part of the game you know the pitcher might get pissed off about it and throw at the batter if the pitcher had a sense that the batter was reading him in some way but it wasn't against the rules and nobody would call it cheating but using electronics was illegal and when they introduced instant replay into the game, there were all of a sudden lots of cameras on the field and monitors that could be used to see what the catcher was signaling. Just like you always, like like if you always had a guy on second base. And so the Astros developed this system where they, using a center field camera as well as the replay cameras and this Excel. Algorithm that would break the code. It was called code breaker. It would be used to break the code because catchers started to get very creative in terms of how they would signal. Then they would send that information to the dugout. And at least in 2017, this was in the report. The players would bang on a trash can if something besides a fastball was coming. So some sort of off-speed pitch. They did that throughout the regular season. In the postseason and in all their home games, in the World Series as well,
1: and you can hear this. Like there's a one of the articles I linked to. You could just, there's YouTube videos where they splice together, you know, a bunch of these. You're just hearing this telltale garbage banging uh, in the background, which. We we can talk about it later, but it leads me to believe that this this wasn't very well thought out.
0: Um, well, I mean, it was well thought out in the sense that it worked and <laughs> it won them a World Series. I mean, this is one of the interesting questions. They had never won a World Series. It was huge for the city of Houston. They sold out like every game uh, in the playoffs. They you know they uh, they made a lot of money from this.
1: I mean, not getting caught. I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. I- no, it's a very it was combined this use of
0: technology and this algorithm for breaking codes with just <laughs> banging on trash cans.
1: Yeah, so just just if you haven't caught this, this is what's going on. The camera is is showing the catcher. There is a monitor somewhere on the Houston Astros. Was it always in the dugout? I'm
0: It was in the dugout at least for 2017 because that's where the trash cans were.
1: Right. And so then the, then it's getting code broken. <laughs> at some point and and transmitted uh not visually but uh, auditorily
0: through text or something uh, but to the dugout
1: and the manager was
0: against it but didn't so A.J. Hinch who seems like and if he's not a mensch he's a really good mensch actor but he really seems like just a solid guy but he didn't step up and stop it. I believe him that he was against it, but he never stepped up and stopped it. The players, to varying degrees, were were into it. And even I remember on an episode that we did a few months ago, I said that Jose Altuve had a, like a hundred percent approval rating in the country. That has not no longer true. He was one of them. He may have done it less than. George Springer or Carlos Correa, but he and Alex Bregman, the Hebrew hammer, the new Hebrew hammer. Yeah, so we should talk about like a few aspects.
1: Let's start with what 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 really got me, which is the punishment, which is and where I was going with the evidence. There's incontrovertible evidence both that players at the individual level were engaging in this, right? So they were transmitting the garbage can uh, signals and they were using those, right? Now, how much how much it improved their game is something that people have they've dived into right now like there was a recent analysis that somebody did of every single game and garbage can analysis to try to see what the material benefit was overall comparing it
0: a home games with away games because they couldn't do this on the road that's right
1: the other thing that i think is important is that some of the pitchers who were playing against them were genuinely criticized for being for having pitched really shitty games. And so they were, in some cases, like, I believe that they were, that might have been cause for them to be traded. Is that right? Well,
0: I mean, if you're talking about for the regular season, yeah, there were probably pitchers that got shelled and then were released by the team, or they were uh, sent back down to the minors. We never know, but that happens.
1: The Dodgers guy endured shame for having choked. Yes. What's his name?
0: uh Clayton Kershaw yeah he he was like one of the great pitcher regular season pitchers of all time he pitched some bad games including in the world series right.
1: so a lot of i think a lot of the discussion is going what's the counterfactual would they did they need this to have to have won the world series to have whatever perform so well in the regular season i you know that's an open question and i don't think for me the interesting part isn't how well they did it's that that a lot of the players knowingly engaged in this scheme knowing that it was wrong one of the articles that you sent me they they knew what they were doing was cheating and none of those individual players were punished right so it was the manager the aka the coach of the team that uh, what's the other p- higher position? The the general manager,
0: who is a real scumbag, by the way. This guy, like, the, so, like, the, part of the reason I think that they went that hard at the management, not AJ
1: Hinch, but the general manager, is he was right. So, in my naive calculus, when I heard about this, I was like, oh man, this is like doping. This is like these individual people, if there is a, if there is evidence that they actually engaged in cheating and blatant violation, which we could talk a little bit about why this might be a grayer area, but I don't think it's a gray area. I mean, you can steal signs, but just not that way. Why, it was actually perplexing to me, having no, no knowledge of the background, how this wasn't outrageous. In fact, like why I'm still kind of perplexed as to why there isn't, a revocation of their World Series.
0: Well, so I don't know what that would mean, a revocation of the World Series. And I. so that's there are two different questions, right? Like, why weren't players punished? And then why wasn't the revocation of the, like, I guess... You would give it to the Dodgers because that's who they played in the World Series. But I, I guess I don't support that because there's no precedent for it. And there's, I don't know, like, how, how good do you feel as the Dodgers? Oh, two years later, we actually won the World Series, even though we didn't. Like, it doesn't seem to really.
1: By the way, what happened to the, what happened to the, I'm sorry, but you you would know this. I need your expertise. The The famous, um, the, what were they called? The Black Sox? The Shoeless Joe? Yeah, well, they lost the
0: World Series on purpose, so there was no issue there. Yeah, they, were, they tanked. Yeah, it was a gambling thing where they, like, so this was, that's a good example, actually, because the commissioner then took the opposite tack, which is to ban the entire team from baseball after that, including those like Shoeless Joe Jackson, who played really well in the World Series. And didn't seem to be tanking. And even so, his only crime was knowing about it and not coming forward. In this case, they didn't punish any of the players. And the explanations for why are not fully satisfying. So, number one, some of the players are on other teams. That seems to me to be just not an explanation at all because, like that's true for steroids, you know, you catch somebody doing steroids, okay, they went to another team, doesn't mean that they that they can't get punished. Another explanation was they offered the players immunity if they talked. It seemed like they had enough information based on that whistleblower that they didn't need to do that. So if they if they were determined to punish the players, they wouldn't have done that. They made the decision not to punish the players before offering them immunity, I think. And and I so I so that doesn't make sense. And then the last one is there's no way of knowing to what extent each individual player supported it. So that's the, I mean that's the most plausible uh, explanation, I guess. But like what I don't know. Like they knew about it at least, and there's trash can evidence that they benefited from it or at least tried to benefit for, from it. So.
1: So that is a good question. Yeah, and the trash can evidence, so when they're at bat at home in Houston, um, you hear, not always, I guess, but you hear the garbage can signaling. We can't tell whether or not they used the signal, right? I, I suppose they could have tried to ignore it if they were really in principled against, against this. But I, I would think that if, if that were the case, they would ask their team not to. Not to signal to them?
0: They would just ask them not to do it, yeah. Like, they wouldn't... I don't think the team was, like, forcing players to, like, hear the trash can if they didn't want
1: to. And what would you do if you knew, like, okay, this is not a fastball, like... But I didn't know before. So, like, I'm going to just do 50 50 like I would have normally done. So, that's an interesting
0: question. Baseball cheating is weird, though. So, first of all, we had this like huge scandal with performance enhancing drugs, and no World Series were taken away then, even though tons of World Series were won on the back of steroided up players. But there's also just this weird sort of like, I don't know it's a, it's a kind of culture because just the tiniest little edge is the thing that everyone is searching for. That's like what matters in baseball. You play 162 games. These games often come down to the wire, like just a little edge, a little advantage. And so players have been doing this forever. Players like pitchers have been putting Vaseline on their pitches to make them make them harder to hit. They've been put people have been putting t- pine tar in bats and you know all this stuff is against the rules but it's kind of like this is what you know that that uh movie Major League did you ever see it awesome movie
1: the wait the there's no crying in baseball
0: no, that's the, the woman, uh, the, yeah, Tom Hanks. No, it was, like, with Charlie Sheen and Tom Berenger. Oh,
1: and, yeah, way ba- Yeah, uh-huh. Were, this, were they Cleveland Indians?
0: Yeah, they're Cleveland Indians. The main pitcher there is, like, and, and you're supposed to love this team, is, like, putting, like, a huge bit of Vaseline, like, all over his pitches. There is a level of cheating that if you get caught, like, you get caught, but it's not, nobody gets mad about it. In uh, in the way that they've got, so it's, there was something about this. Maybe it's systemic, or maybe just the elaborate nature of it that uh, really that really gets to people. And the fact that they weren't punished by by this is is something that a lot of other players are having trouble getting over.
1: Right. So a lot of players are are pretty angry. And so, but to get your opinion here, though. Is your intuition like mine that, to the extent that we have any evidence or confessions from any individual player, that they they ought to be punished? Yeah, I mean, I know that you're you're fighting against your team. By the way, Tamler's wearing a Boston uh, Red Sox hat right now, and I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to point out that uh, that you. It seems as if uh, you just prefer teams that are accused of cheating.
0: Well, one way in that this is different from the Patriots, if there are listeners out there comparing this to the Patriots and Deflategate, is that this one actually happened. (laughs) This one, this one was not just made up by a bitter opponent's.
1: First the moon landing, and then Deflategate. It's all a conspiracy.
0: No, 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 but the Red Sox could just get, like, we're recording this episode early. Um, I think the, the finding against the Red Sox is due Friday, and they could get hammered by this. I will say, given that, um, I will say that I think the players should have been suspended for, you know, maybe a small number of games. Now, how you do that, you can't suspend all of them because they have to field the team, but maybe you do it in a staggered way or something like that's what I think based on all the evidence that has come out. But I get also that baseball, you know, it's just trying to figure out how to do that and how to implement that would have been a pain in the ass for them. I still think they should have tried to do it because all this controversy right now is because they didn't.
1: Right. And it seems as if the decision, you know, I could understand in some cases like where there's negligence or something where you just target management and you're like, well, look, they're the ones ultimately responsible. I, I think that might very well be the case for for the managers here in, in as much as they deserve punishment. But it's also clear that these were, you know, it kind of sucks that these were bad actors who were even going against their own manager and that he's the one who not only got suspended for a year, but then he got fired.
0: Well, yeah, because it's, it's no good having a manager that's suspended for a year. It doesn't really help you. I guess you could have an interim manager. No, no, he he was uh, he got thrown under the bus, um, AJ Hinge, and he when we get to apologies, like he's the only one who actually gave a good apology and he's probably the least guilty of all of them. I think another reason if I had to guess why they didn't punish the players is because they're a very well-liked team or they were, they're not necessarily anymore. One funny thing is that Las Vegas has put out a line for how many times an Astro hitter gets plunked, hit, hit by a pitch and it's very high 83 and a half
1: i would i would wear the double helmets whatever
0: and it's very funny because that's part big part of baseball and that's something i talk about in my book a lot actually is the code around throwing at batters but i think that is if anything a more in some ways the most appropriate response if you're a pitcher that's pissed off by what they did you just do that and that's kind of the fact that the hitters even have to have that in their minds is a kind of punishment you know in the same way that pitchers had to have it in their minds that the astros batters knew what pitch was coming that like it's such a psychological battle the pitcher batter matchup that just even the thought that that would happen is something that freaked a lot of pitchers out, and so they could be looking for revenge.
1: It's interesting. I was reading in whatever article, and I'm not going to remember names, but that the pitchers who were unaffected were the ones who were so methodical in changing their signals that they just did it no matter what. Right. So, and and they they escaped the you know the, the decoding and and the cheating because they were particularly neurotic. About their their signal schemes, which is not something that you want your, you know, this is, you don't want your pitchers having to do that.
0: And there are certain pitchers who just, it just doesn't matter if the batter knows. Mariano Rivera, the Yankees closer was like this, like you knew the pitch that was coming and you still couldn't hit it. Uh, but there are other pitchers who live by deceit. You know, like, that's the thing. They, they're they not going to pitch well unless they can fool the batters.
1: Right. So some pitchers put in, like, a ton of work into not having any tells so that their wind-up to every single pitch looks identical. Like, they'll pour over video just to try to to make it seamless. And to the feeling that you must have when you're like, the fuck? Like, I'm doing everything.
0: Exactly. Like, and I think that definitely hits some pitchers harder than others. So let's talk about the apology because this all happened in the offseason season. And then, all, and then players reported to spring training, which is their, the, what they do before the season starts. They arranged a press conference. First, the owner, Jim Crane, went. <laughs> and that was a, a train wreck. So the two most famous things from that was he sort of apologized in that kind of Weasley way. But then he says, our opinion is that this didn't impact the game.
1: That fucking pisses me off. Like that sentiment right there is like, why would you fucking be doing it? Like that is the most bullshit. You're basically saying, don't punish me. I'm incompetent at implementing cheating.
0: You know who agrees with you about that? Is Jim Crane because <laughs> fifty-five <laughs> seconds later he said, I didn't say it didn't impact the game in response
1: to some reporter was trying to rip him a new one and it's like, No, 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 don't get me wrong. I meant I meant eugenics would work. And then he <laughs> says and then he said,
0: I don't think I should be held accountable.
1: That's a ballsy thing to say because in that sentence you're saying not i don't think that i should be punished not i don't deserve it or i didn't do it you're saying like yeah i did it but like really me that's that's who you're gonna single well my te- like i think what he's saying is my team you know like the buck
0: stops below me you know he he was willing to throw his manager general manager totally under the bus but i i just think like this is what happens when a billionaire who's normally around people who are Obsequious and other billionaires like they have to deal with the real world it's just like they don't get it they don't get how people can not kiss their ass uh they should hold workshops you know like like they do for like nba rookies or something like (laughs) come from bad neighborhoods (laughs) like for billionaires just to interact with the real world so that was a disaster And then the other Astros just gave weaselly apologies. George Springer said, there's no real way to express how much regret we have, how much remorse we have. I'm sorry we're in this situation today. I regret the fact that we are in this situation today. I'm really sorry about the choices that were made by my teams. This was somebody else, uh, by my team, by the organization, and by me. So... One of the things I wanted to ask you was, is there a way to like how like let's say they did this, you're in this situation now and you have how do you handle an apology press conference? Uh,
1: so I thought I was thinking about this because like so now now you're in a position where everybody knows that you cheated, you know that you cheated, and you're asked to give an apology. I think you do one of two things. One is you say, I'm not going to apologize. Like, just fucking own it. Just, you don't want to apologize. You don't apologize. The other is to say, I really disappointed a lot of people. When I was doing it, I knew I was doing it. I shouldn't have done it. What else can I say? Because this in-between shit is the worst possible way.
0: I, I mean, either be a heel, either by joking about it or saying, like, I don't care. Like, I did it. We won the World Series. Fuck off. And then just own the being the villain. Or just refuse to comment at all, like, uh, that's the other way I think you can be a heel. Or just admit everything, no excuses, no rationalizing, but totally agree, the in-between stuff is worthless. I think it's very hard in the Twitter era to apologize, though.
1: Yeah, I know, because the truth is that that it's unclear at all whether there's any remorse in these people to begin with. So even if you have genuine remorse and you need, you need to craft a statement that's going to satisfy a whole bunch of people, and we've seen sincere statements that get rejected by, by tons of people, right? That like at least everything would point to the signal of sincerity and it's still not accepted. So much so that there have been studies done on public apologies where basically they've said like there's pretty much nothing that, that you can say in terms of your remorse that will stop people from condemning you
0: harshly there's been one successful apology in the twitter era that i'm aware of and that's dan harman and he did it on a podcast and it took like 20 minutes
1: yeah you're right the the long form long form sincerity so it but in this case there's not even like nobody even believes that there might be sincerity because it's pretty clear that had they not been caught nobody would have said anything so it really does feel more like steroids than in the sense that like you could just deny it deny it deny it until it's proven
0: I think the other aspect, though, that's like steroids is there is this sense that everybody's doing it or at least a lot of other teams are doing it. And so we just did it better than other people. But like, don't pretend there's been a lot of stuff like the Red Sox were caught using Apple Watches. The Yankees were caught using some system. I think the Astros, a lot of people think the Astros still did it in 2018 and 2019 and got even fancier about it. Wearing buzzers,
1: that's that's been funny. That 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 was one of the articles we'll link to that you sent me about the possibility that a tattoo, a fake tattoo, (laughs)
0: that that Jose Altuve. But this was on a home run that won the pennant for the Astros against the Yankees against the star closer of the Yankees. I'm blanking on his name right now. Altuve hits it, and that's it. Like they're going to the World Series, and then you know it's a big tradition to rip off the player's jersey when they come to home plate, and Altuve didn't want his jersey ripped off, and he was actually interviewed about it afterwards, and he said, I'm shy. My wife would get mad. Now people are like, oh, he just had a buzzer on.
1: So, by the way, I know, I know a little bit about these kinds of buzzers because they're used in uh, magic mentalism acts. Like, there are a variety of devices that you can get that will give you a little buzz. People often wear them, like, on their ankle. I can see why you wouldn't if you were a baseball player and they'll, you know, you have a code that signals. So why not? Like, you know, why not try something like that? That seems like the natural next step if you can get away with it. I don't know if we like, we can move on to this, but I really do want to ask you whether there is this, you pointed out the interestingness of baseball. Like baseball is complex in a way. A lot of sports aren't complex. And this is one of these cases where I think if the intuition fails you that gives you clear guilt for some actions and not guilt for others. So as you were pointing out, there is like it's not at all illegal to try your best to steal signals in the old-fashioned analog kind of way where you're looking. So that relies on the accident of if you have somebody on second base, if they have good eyesight, if, they, if the batter has good enough eyesight to catch the signal – That's all allowed. And so unlike things like doping, where there might be like, no, you you either use a substance that's on the ban list or you don't. Even though this was technically on the list of things that you're not allowed to do, and I think that it was made very clear to them early in the season when they were having accusations at some point. It still feels like the sort of thing that, even in the way you were describing it, that a sort of wink-wit nod-nod is like, if you can get away with it, then... You should do it, which is kind of what surprises me about everybody's reaction. You think it feels that way? Well, I think it might because to
0: them or to just to
1: you. Even. To them, like I, I feel like so. You know, a lot of the work on on cheating and dishonesty has shown that that it's people usually get caught in these slippery slopes where you do the first thing for loyalty to your to your company, and then you you know before you know it, you're embezzling funds. And this is one of those cases where because the 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 guidelines for what's legal and what's not in baseball, like they kind of go like the same action, stealing a signal becomes illegal with the use of technology. Now I could see very easily you moving from having some guy with binoculars in the stands, right? Signaling a chain down the line. Was that technical? That is technology, right? But glasses wouldn't be like, I can see why they might have fallen into this. Um, more easily and might not feel the natural guilt in the way that you would feel if i mean i don't even know an analog of another sport where you can cheat so blatantly
0: well you I mean in football there are ways of deflating <laughs> not that one but actually i mean the patriots were involved in a scandal that did actually happen which was taping signals from the Jet sideline um, in a regular season game when that had just been made illegal, but these things are fuzzy. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's not like you know. It's not like somebody was taking their opponent's tennis racket and and like fucking with it somehow. You know, right? Like they're, they're in other sports. It seems as if like the lines are clearer. You're encouraged to to scout and to analyze videotape. In this case, analyzing the signals and breaking them. You might be like, well, no, coach, we've broken the signal. All we need is a way to, to like, get it to our player and imagine, right? So I can see them. This is not to excuse them. I think they they know what they were doing was wrong. But I can see the lack of intuition that it's wrong being so strong.
0: And, you, and you know, like, it's interesting because it's not clear why it's wrong. So I feel like it's wrong. But then it's like, well, stealing signs isn't wrong. It's the technology that makes it wrong. Except, like... Technology is used in all sorts of ways in baseball. Like the, the whole analytics revolution is led by technology and using it to gain the least bit of edge. And even just videotaping pitchers and studying them or having somebody study them to, to see whether they would be tipping their pitches and then conveying that information before a game. Uh, Or even during a game, based on research that was done and videotaping, like, that would be okay.
1: So it's not just the technology... So I was going to say the other problem seems to me that signaling the pitcher isn't an official part of the game. Like it's not in the rules. It's it's a behavior that sort of grew out of the, the rules of the game. So it's not like there's, you know, some standard format in which you're allowed to signal to the pitcher or not. So it, I can see why you're saying, well, look, signaling is their way of getting an advantage. Me reading the signals is my way of getting an advantage. Suppose that, that there were technology that allowed the coaches to analyze the stance of the batter so that they could feed to the pitcher what the best pitch would be. Would that be illegal? Like they haven't, this gets to what you were saying a little bit uh, earlier, maybe off the air to me, which is that technology introduces a whole bunch of problems that just didn't used to exist
0: yeah that's right like I think a lot of this stuff was was okay because there was no technology and then it was sort of like spy versus spy kind of but once you bring technology into it I think a key question that I don't think we know the answer to is how widespread this kind of practice was so I think it's clear that the Astros weren't the only team doing it it looks like maybe the Red Sox might have done some version of it although hopefully not in the playoffs that will be unfortunate because we won the world series the ne- the following year but yeah so like but but what if like 15 other teams were doing it well
1: then it doesn't seem bad at all pretty much
0: you know then it just seems like this is the this is the new game
1: right which is what what leads me to wonder i certainly don't know like you know of all of all the people who have expressed an opinion or of all the people who have an opinion, it struck me as weird that there was so much vocal outrage. That's what led me to infer that maybe this was a clear, blatant... Uh, a violation
0: that not as many teams have done it if everybody knew that their own teams were doing it too then they might
1: yeah they you'd be bullshitting yeah or they might be bullshitting outrage
0: right there were a lot of people complaining about steroids who were on steroids i agree that my sense is based on the reaction that it wasn't as widespread but maybe that's just because well our team is different we didn't we didn't do this particular system we cheated the right way
1: right so th- which leads me to i think the last thing that i i want to touch on at least which is this seems at, at the very least not cool i don't know how else to say it it's t- <laughs> it's like it might be legal uh, if it, you know if it were illegal or if there were a gray area, you're still unsportsmanlike for lack of a better term. And uh, as the expert on honor, at least on this podcast, I wanted to know whether you think this at the very least is dishonorable and they they should be remembered as the dishonorable team.
0: I mean, part of that depends again on how widespread the practice was and if this was to what degree could you with a straight face call it defensive? Like everybody's doing it, so we have to do it too. I think it does seem dishonorable, partly because it's technology aided. You didn't even get the credit for being clever. You just use technology in a way that other people might not have been willing to to use it.
1: Oh, that's interesting. So it could be that I, I see that's a nice distinction, because if it's supposed that you accept that, uh, baseball is not just about athletic ability and the ability to swing your bat at the right time, but it's also about having the cognitive abilities to to notice and pay attention to the to the codes and see patterns. That's still you.
0: And I think baseball is very mental in in that way. It does require a a high degree of cognitive intelligence in a fairly specific domain but yeah so yeah i mean in that sense if they got some program to help them decode the pitches and it, there's also the lying at the the sort of the dishonesty aspect of it honor in baseball like you you cannot break any rules and be considered dishonorable even this thing that they're doing now like the shift So they'll have, based on the analytics of where a hitter will hit, they will put now the second baseman on the side of the shortstop um, or vice versa, the shortstop on the side of the second baseman. A lot of people think that that's a dishonorable way of approaching the
1: game. Wait, so why? What what does that do?
0: So let's say you know that a, a baseball hitter, like a hitter is more of a pull hitter and so much more likely to hit it to the left side of second base rather than to the right side of second base so they will put more fielders including like the they will put the second baseman where the shortstop is and or if the other way they'll put the shortstop where the second baseman usually stands and and so they'll have more people on that side of the field and so some people think that that's dishonorable and well i think that's Kind of crazy. I also get it. It's like, no, this is the way the game is played. We have the second baseman in this area, the shortstop in this area, the third baseman in this area. You know, like,
1: well, then why did why did the fielders always come close up when I went to bat? When I was in- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, you don't play here. You play out there. <laughs> the code said that was okay, or if
0: they thought you were a weak hitter, they'll put there, but. But what wouldn't have been okay is if they had no, <laughs> nobody in the outfield and they put everybody in the infield. So I think this is like the fact that it was illegal is less the part of being dishonorable than the fact that it was breaking a lot of unwritten rules in addition to the written rules that people sometimes break.
1: Yeah, in an, in, in an informal arms race where the, the pitchers know you're trying to steal their signals... The catchers know, and, and so they are adjusting, right? So, like, the, they're, they're trying to change their signals. They're trying to make them less obvious. They, they have a sense of what you're doing. If you all of a sudden go way beyond, like, beyond that, then you're, you're essentially violating whatever not tacit agreement you have about how, how we're supposed to be trying to defeat each other.
0: I could throw at your head to get you to not crowd the plate. That's okay but I can't like, I can't be studying or, or getting signaled what you're like by your batting stance, what the best pitch for me to throw is.
1: So I kind of am a fan of sports having their own organically grown rules that are of honor. And it bums me out that what's going to have to happen now is like the letter of the law will have to get so specific. I mean, that just seems less fun to me. It's unfortunate, but that's, that's how it has to go. I-
0: or they could just go the other way and just let everybody kind of do what they want. Th- then you lose a lot of the, the magic of the mind games. I mean, like, one of the great things about baseball is the mind game between the pitcher and the batter. And if that's gone because you're just letting everybody steal. Hey, you know, one way that they could just fix this is... What they did in football, which is let the coaches just talk to the pitchers. So they might figure out a way where the catcher can, through technology, get signal a pitcher in ways where he doesn't have to put uh, his fingers down. But I, like, I'm not sure exactly how it, but it seems like it, it would be possible for that to work
1: you know there are a few other examples i think that that like as i thought about this i'm i i thought that this is the the tacit rules of a sport that we label sportsmanlike conduct and unsportsmanlike conduct are so much of what what i think make games cool right what happens then though is sometimes people can violate them without getting uh too much punishment do you know the story of this uh adam I, um, I don't know which way i would judge on this but this poker player who won a tournament because he was able to read the back of cards so it turns out that playing cards every once in a while there might be an error in the printing of the playing cards such that the patterns on the back give away which cards uh so it's like it's like they're marked if you are good enough to notice the slightest difference and you know that that printing error might indicate a face card or something then you can win, right? This is not counting cards. this is not looking at other players' cards. This is just the manufacture process. So there was a poker I'm butchering it for our poker fans, but but I think the details are, are I mean, the, the, the broad points are right. He won a poker tournament and a big purse because the casino just hadn't properly gotten rid of the cards that were printed in error. So he was just able to to infer. Uh, and um, and so they tried to take away his purse and there was a big outcry from the poker community saying like, no, this has always been one of those things. Like if you are in the lucky situation where that error, your skill in doing that won you the fucking game, right?
0: I mean, that's a separate episode, but the, int- like the ethics in the casino versus gambler thing and the little edges, because it's a very similar thing where the only way you can be successful is to gain little edges wherever you can find them. And when the casinos clamp down on them for not even technically breaking rules, but like that's a that's a really interesting.
1: I think that one at least one of the guiding principles that should be here when you were saying like maybe it'll just be a free for all with technology is I think that we want it to be that everybody has a shot at this. So like you don't want the richer teams like apparently the Astros have like 70 cameras around their stadium. They like put, put them in early. Like we don't want the money of the team to be what's dictating whether or not they're.
0: Yeah. But I also think like, like I would be in favor of just, I don't know if you could do some like GPS or some, some sort of cell phone blackout where there was just no technology because baseball is a game that doesn't really benefit from that. And that, that would benefit more from just them playing like they played in the 50. Uh, You know, like, soccer is another interesting one with this, and flopping, because flopping is something that works, and your your rivals, the Brazilians, have uh, some serious floppers. And, And it's, like, so effective. It can be so effective because the scores are so low, and, like, you could just get a penalty kick by flopping in the
1: penalty area.
0: And yet that seems... Like about as dishonorable as anything.
1: It's a that's a funny one because as dishonorable as it might seem, people continue to do it. And like that, in when you see the instant replay, like when you know these mag- magical no contact hits <laughs> that like knock people on their ass, they just continue to do it because. Because they can. Like, you're giving your team that, that edge. P- people respect people who don't flop, but... But are you willing to sacrifice a World Cup? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This also, you know, it came up... There's a whole host of, like, dishonorable actions in any given sport, but I was had been watching a little clip on Reddit about a, of an MMA fighter who pretended to, to touch gloves with another one and then just socked him in the face. <laughs> and that's like, yeah, that's also not illegal. But, which is just like, you know... In all of these cases, it seems like people are willing to sacrifice their reputation for the edge.
0: Yeah, and I think you're right. Like, I was just talking about this with my ethics class. Uh, We were talking about Aristotelian ethics and his focus on habit and, like, building good moral habits and not having. Like, I think it's just that you start doing it. Like, the astros didn't say we're going to engage in this massive two year long signal stealing scandal they just started doing it a little bit at a time and then it just started to become normal and then you just keep doing it and all of a sudden what are probably most of them otherwise good people just like it becomes okay to do something that they probably never would have thought was okay when they started
1: Right. You can even imagine the first time it, are like, dude, we should try this. Oh, shit, it worked. And it's like, oh,
0: well, what if we did that?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm still like I'm a fan of unwritten rules here. I don't know why I have this intuition that the unwritten rules give me a lot of pleasure. You know, when I was also saying to you, like when a tennis player hits a ball very hard, but it hits the top of the net and dribbles over and they apologize. I don't know why I feel good when that happens, like that they apologize. I'm like, oh, cool. They didn't need to. In fact, it's perfectly legal. To get a point that way, but they know that it wasn't the best, you know, the most skilled way of getting a point. So they just raise their hand and that just makes the game fun. And I also think that if a soccer player is flopping too much, you start making the game not fun and his players and the other team should call him the little bitch. All right. Well, on that note, I totally agree. <laughs> you're, flop- you're flopping to get out of recording. All
0: right. Let's wrap this up. Join us next time on Very Bad Wisdom. With- more brains than you have pay no attention to that man anybody can have a brain you're a very bad man i'm a very good man just a very bad wizard